0: Well, Amy, based on the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer, it looks like Peter Parker's in some legal trouble.
1: Yeah, and it seems like he could use a lawyer who knows a thing or two about living a double life.
0: Marvel happens to have one on hand, and his name is Matt Murdock.
1: So while we're on a season break, we're heading back to 2020 to bring you our commentary series on Daredevil Season 1.
0: Just in case Mr. Murdock shows up in No Way Home, we could all use a refresher on the Devil of Hell's Kitchen.
1: We'll be back Monday, November 8th to kick off season four of The Marvelous Madams with an episode on Spider-Man Homecoming. A little bit, yeah. 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 I, I don't know whether I should say anything else or not. I just don't know. Because I feel like a, a rant is coming and I'm trying not to. I'm being Catholic right now. I'm <laughs> <crossing> it.
0: <laughs> well, you did go to Catholic school, so you did get somewhat of an indoctrination. Yes, I did. Welcome to the Marvelous Madam's podcast. We're your hosts, Madam Chris. And I'm Madam Amy. We are burdened
1: with the glorious purpose of talking all things Marvel.
0: Madam's Assemble. We have made it. Daredevil season one, the finale.
1: Yes. But we open on a bit of a somber note.
0: A bit of a somber note? Well, that's an understatement. <laughs> For Ben in the ground thinks it's a little more than somber. That's true. Yes. And this is one of those things where Fist didn't bother. He didn't need to cover this up. This was a message, you know. So everybody standing around that grave knows Ben was brutally murdered. You know, other than Ben's wife, do you know who I feel the most sorry for at this funeral?
1: Uh, Certainly someone I'm not expecting.
0: Ben's boss.
1: Ah. Yeah.
0: That dude is going to feel guilty till the day he dies because now he knows unequivocally, oh fuck, Ben was right.
1: Yeah. And the last thing they probably spoke about was how was that Ben was fired.
0: Right. So he is going to carry this for the rest of his life. Yeah. I think someone's going to develop a drinking problem. (laughs) That's generally the way his type would go. The old hard-bitten, crusty newsman. Okay. You know.
1: Overall, I think the alcohol flows rather freely on the show.
0: Yes, it does. Uh, What did you think of Matt's... I'm just going to call him Matt's Priest performing Hmm. the funeral service
1: i think they decided to get him because he's the only priest that we've seen on the show but besides that it kind of probably hints to the fact that that matt and karen were the ones who arranged everything
0: oh that could be because obviously ben's wife wouldn't be capable of doing that so karen could have stepped up and then asked matt and foggy hey can you help me out here okay that makes sense what were you thinking I don't know. That's it was kind of bugging me actually. Okay. So I'm glad that you had a way to make sense of it. I can believe that. Okay. And Karen here. Oh, I'm so torn about how I feel. Yeah, me too. Because she was trying to do good so hard, so badly. And Ben also came to love her, I think, like a daughter. Mm -hmm. And I think she loved him. But at the same time, guess what, Karen? He's in the ground because of you. Yeah, and she knows that. Yeah, so I can only feel so sorry for her. If it weren't for the stunt she pulled, he'd be alive.
1: Yeah, but the point here isn't to feel sorry for her. True. What I didn't appreciate was the fact that she went and just blabbed all of this to his wife. His grieving wife.
0: Yeah, that was unnecessary and selfish. Extremely selfish.
1: And the ridiculousness. This is something that happens a lot on TV. This scene had me rolling my eyes. Not just the Karen bit, but even a little bit ahead with Matt. Karen goes and tells a grieving widow that it's my fault Any other normal human being would tell you, fuck off, get out of here. But this grieving widow is actually pacifying one of our main protagonists and making her
0: feel better. It's ridiculous. It isn't, though, because what you have to remember is she doesn't know. The wife doesn't know what Karen did. All she knows is that Ben was on a hot story. She doesn't know the details.
1: She doesn't. But... I'm not talking about whether the wife is right or wrong. I'm talking about this trope of the protagonist is always told it's not your fault by someone who is far more closer and far more affected by some tragedy.
0: Okay. It happens a lot. Okay. You have a point, but I think it's a little less impactful here because the wife doesn't know and might be thinking that this girl is just taking on too much.
1: Yeah, possibly. Possibly. But she's also kind of taking away the blame from her in a way by saying that Ben has never been pushed to do anything he didn't want to. It's in a way telling us, the viewers, that Karen has been absolved.
0: See, I didn't take it that way because the wife doesn't know. I think it would be a different conversation if she did. Honestly, I think I think there here's the thing. I think there's also a certain amount of pride here for Ben's wife. She loved who he was, and in her mind, because she doesn't know the details, he died for the truth. He died doing what he loves. So I think there's a certain amount of pride in that.
1: That's fair. And I would agree with you that she doesn't know everything, so, so she isn't taking away from Karen's guilt. The problem is we know she has a history of dementia. And in this particular scene, she is absolutely perfectly lucid. That is unusual.
0: It comes and goes. And we also don't know what's causing the dementia. Remember, we had this conversation a few episodes back. We don't know if it's Alzheimer's. We don't know if it's something else. I think they leave it intentionally vague.
1: Yes. But in this case, they intentionally in- intentionally ensured that she is lucid.
0: Yeah, well... I mean, she could either be lucid or not lucid. It's a 50-50, so.
1: But in the past, whenever we've seen her, it comes and goes. And this time it did not go.
0: Yeah, that's true. And you'd think at a stressful moment, it would, you know, affect her even more. Yeah, it's not the best writing. It's it's not the best writing we've ever seen on this show by, by a long shot. True. Um, the one thing I really did like is that his wife is now taken care of through Ben's life insurance.
1: Yeah, that's nice. That's a good thing that they did.
0: We know enough about Ben to know that he would be okay with dying if it meant having her taken care of.
1: Yes, that's true.
0: The priest asks Matt how he's holding up. And do you remember what Matt says?
1: Like a good Catholic boy?
0: Oh, that just went right through me. <laughs> right fucking through me. Okay. Okay. And the priest guessed it. He's like, huh, that bad, huh? Great line.
1: <laughs> yeah. So why did it go through
0: you? Well, listeners, if you ever want a good comedic primer on how Catholic people work, I suggest check out, if you're not familiar with him already, check out stand-up comic John Mulaney. He's fantastic. And John is going through some tough times at the moment, so we wish him the, all the best in his recovery. You will learn the the culture of the Catholics. Which is bury it down. Bury it, bury it, bury it, bury it, bury it until you die. (laughs) Until you die of heart failure because all of that emotion that you are suppressing is just surrounding your heart and just squeezing it year after year after year until you just die in your sleep.
1: That would be a peaceful way to go.
0: It's the lead up that's the problem. That's true. The decades of misery. (laughs) And again, Matt here. He takes on the weight of the world, which is a noble thing, yes. But what he doesn't see is the arrogance in this.
1: Thank you. Because I was worried that I was going to sound very attacky in the first half of this episode. I was rolling my eyes.
0: Yeah. He acts like he's the only person capable of doing good, of doing something. Yeah. Like he's the only person who has a problem with corruption and wants to change things. And in that that way, Daredevil is a very isolated show. Do you get what I mean? No. There's very little contact with people outside of this core group. Like we don't see ever that there are... Other people, besides from Mrs. Cardenas, other people in the world working to do good, working to make positive change, as if Matt is the only person out there with his head out of his ass, seeing what's going on and trying to do something about it.
1: I think that's the point, at least in this particular season, is because people are blind. A, we first didn't know any, nobody knew anything about Fisk. And B, when he did come out, he did this whole PR blitz kissing babies and talking all positive and good and everything, rainbows and roses, that nobody would even think about it.
0: Yeah, well, I guess it's also just the comic book world of acting like there's no other evil besides Fisk out there. Like, it's all him. Like, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that I agree.
0: And Karen is also just a train wreck. She can't go home anymore. She's having nightmares. Mm Mm-hmm. Again, where are the Rolaids?
1: (laughs) More than Rolades, I think they need a good therapist. They should have one on speed dial.
0: They should. And you know what? It's okay now. Karen can have a therapist because she's already committed the murder. So the therapist isn't obligated to say anything because it's already happened. And Karen is just killing me. She comes so close to telling Matt several times. Yeah, yeah. And I could feel it.
1: Yeah, she wants to say it. She wants to get it out, but she knows she can't.
0: Yeah, Deborah Ann Woll is so good in this episode. Yeah, she is. You know, she does it so well. I think we've all been there, that we've had a secret that we're dying to tell somebody, but we know that it's a bad idea and we're yeah. torn about it. And that just comes through so well in her performance.
1: Yeah, true.
0: And not only is she dealing with that struggle, but she's also dealing with absolute fucking terror that Fisk is going to find out about her.
1: Yeah. And she hasn't told either Matt or Foggy that she was the one who took Ben to meet Fisk's mother and that is why he's dead.
0: Right. Right. So it's guilt on top of fear, on top of anger. It's just all swirling around I Hold wouldn't on. want to be her I give her a lot of credit for keeping calm though because if I were her in this situation I would just probably be belching from the acid and digestion <laughs> like I would I would look pregnant from the stress bloat
1: is that a thing stress bloat
0: for me yes it's a very very real thing <laughs> Okay, my stress re- my stress responses are acute.
1: okay. I learned something new every day.
0: Credit to her for keeping her shit together because God knows foggy is not dealing with anything near to this, and he's just had total meltdowns.
1: Yeah, and it goes to show the strength of her character and truth is she wouldn't be in the situation if she wasn't strong enough to deal with it. Yes. It sounds wrong to say this, but she did. She brought this on herself in a good way. She
0: did. And, you know, I think this also highlights one of the undertones of this show. At every turn, I think Mm -hmm. anyway, the women are stronger than the men. Oh, absolutely. At every turn, every character, this show is a real testament to female strength and empowerment yeah whether for better or for worse vanessa not going there did you think i wasn't gonna slip that in there
1: (laughs) not going there
0: (laughs) come on (laughs) so while karen and matt are doing this little dance uh we head over to fisk and vanessa where he is looking over some numbers
1: yeah and she is still recuperating
0: yeah It's these numbers, though, that are the real problem right now. Yeah. They're not quite adding up. Yep. But Owsley, of course, assures Fisk, everything is in order. Don't worry, you're pretty little head. Pretty (laughs) giant head.
1: (laughs) But when Fisk pushes a little bit further, he just blurts it all out.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't know that uh, Bob Gunton could tap dance, but apparently he can. <laughs> yeah, that was great. It's like, oh, really? you telling the truth? Why are your hands shaking? Why are you sweating? If somebody asks you those questions, the situation is going downhill quickly.
1: Yeah, so he decides to just go for broke and say, just tell him everything.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, just so you know, I've been embezzling. And by the way, yeah, me and our granny heroin poisoned Vanessa.
1: <laughs> yeah, I actually found the scene a bit ham-fisted. See,
0: I didn't because I thought it was a great extension of, Owsley char- of, of Owsley's character.
1: Yeah, I think it does explain a lot about him and the kind of person he is. But I feel like overall this entire episode was rushed. It almost feels like the writers had 13 episodes and they spent so much time building up the characters, which is a good job. They did a good job. But by the time they reached episode 13, they went, oh, fuck, we need to actually, you know, tie up all the loose ends and end this entire plot point. So this episode is just rapid fire, getting everything cleared up.
0: Possibly. Yeah, I have to agree with you. It does feel a little bit rushed, but I I do think it all does logically flow.
1: It does logically flow. It's not bad writing. It's just rushed. I feel like if this would have been extended to maybe three episodes, say episode 10 onwards, we would have ramped up and had this entire storyline continue, it would have built a lot more tension. Mm, maybe. This is too condensed.
0: Oh, there was still plenty of tension for me. <laughs> you know, I think Owsley would have been okay. I think maybe, just maybe, he could have had enough time to get out of Fisk's clutches if he hadn't have started rubbing it in.
1: Yeah. And that is his hubris. That's he's always had that flaw. He
0: has. Yeah. He thinks he's got Fisk by the balls here. There's no way Fisk can take him out. Oh, yeah. You know, Vanessa, by the way, she was the target all along. We just wanted to nudge you back on track. Right. And now now I'm going to take half your money and I'm just going to walk away. I'm sitting there like, dude, you're not the fucking joker. (laughs) this is not going to end well for you
1: no but it's his own ego that makes him think that he can get away with it it's foolproof if he hadn't told fisk about vanessa and trying to poison her he probably would have gotten away with it
0: maybe i don't know but he also thinks he has insurance with detective hoffman yeah Turns out Alsley had scooped him up and paid him off to be his insurance policy of sorts and go to the feds if anything should happen to him. So he's doing these 24-hour check-ins.
1: Right. The fact that he's doing that means that he was afraid that something was going to go wrong, which begs the question, why didn't he just leave? When Gao left, he could have left. Money. Taken the money and gone.
0: Ego. I think part of him wanted to have this showdown. Part of him wanted to tell Fisk, look how much smarter I am than you. Look how we took you down. Look how right we were.
1: That, and I also think it's his ego in another way, like, I'm better than you. Yes. Yeah. You're a thug.
0: Yeah. I know who you really are. You're just a poor kid from Hell's Kitchen. That's all you'll ever be.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was the one playing you all this time.
0: Yep. You're right. Yeah, and then he just cracks me up. You're going to try to take down, you, a 70-something-year-old man, you're going to try to take down Wilson Fisk with a taser? (laughs) That's like when Richard Dreyfus thinks he's going to shoot the shark in Jaws (laughs) with the fucking little harpoon.
1: It did kind of work with Matt. (laughs) Who's
0: literally half the size of Fisk. And not burning with rage. So Fisk bats this taser away like a fly. And in it's such a classic kind of death. And I loved it. He just tosses Owsley <laughs> down an elevator shaft. Yeah. At
1: that point, he was pure animal instinct.
0: Yeah. You know what I kind of wanted with Owsley? What? But there wasn't enough of a drop. I kind of wanted, like, an Alan Rickman diehard kind of fall. <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit. And I just wanted to, be, like, yell out after him. That's for Andy Dufresne, you son of a bitch.
1: <laughs> yeah, the show is a bit too too based in realism for that.
0: <laughs> is it now? <laughs>
1: <laughs> to a certain extent.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, I so,
1: mean, you know, Matt can sniff out all sorts of things. So who am I to say?
0: So we go see Matt over at his therapist's office, a.k.a. the boxing gym. Yeah. The bag, do- the bag does not require a copay.
1: No, it does not. But it's certainly taking quite a beating.
0: Yes, it is. But uh, at least him and Foggy are talking again.
1: Yeah. All it took was somebody
0: to die. And that's another trope too, isn't it? True. So Matt and Karen had discussed earlier at the office, like where the fuck was Foggy? He couldn't even show up for Ben's funeral.
1: And again, Matt says, it's my fault. Everything is my fault.
0: Right. Yeah. Gets a little old. Yeah. So it's at this point where Foggy tells him, like, didn't do it on purpose. I was actually working with marcy
1: (laughs) you gotta give her credit for all that you're saying
0: i know it's my first aid i hate amy note of the episode Mm -hmm. not here but in a little while okay matt is understandably terrified that foggy is going to be the next person killed because him and marcy are now doing this digging yeah hypocritical a little bit a little
1: bit yeah yeah, yeah. I, I don't know whether I should say anything else or not. I just don't know. Because I feel like a, a rant is coming and I'm trying not to. I'm being Catholic right now. I'm discussing <laughs> it.
0: <laughs> well, you did go to Catholic school, so you did get somewhat of an indoctrination. Yes, I did. Yeah.
1: And it's it's conflicting with my natural
0: urges. Stay on slow boil. Stay on <laughs> slow boil for now okay i'll pour in the macaroni later you could really cook all right then (laughs) so i mean foggy points it out like dude if anybody's gonna get killed it's you jackass yeah and
1: i'm glad that foggy is actually giving it back to him and he's able to because he has all the information now
0: yeah it's about damn time foggy got in matt's face
1: yeah and i think finally for the first time in their relationship, they're equals.
0: Yes. Yeah. And they agree that they can't go back, but they can move forward. Right. Didn't that feel prescient for right now? Like there's no going back. There's no returning yeah. to the old normal.
1: Yeah, true. In some cases, we wouldn't want to.
0: Yeah. So. Oh, we'll get to that later. Mm-hmm. Mr. Foggy, mm. yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I have some things to say on that note.
1: I know where that is going.
0: Yep. Okay, good. So Matt and Foggy basically do a playground truce here. They do everything but pinky swear and decide that they are again a team, at least for the purposes of bringing down Fisk.
1: Yeah, it's a step forward.
0: Yeah, so they head over to Brett together, who is on board with the Devil of Hell's Kitchen and has seen some things. And is keeping his head down for the moment because he does believe that his precinct is crawling with crooked cops.
1: Yeah. And he is spooked, which is good.
0: Yeah. Because it puts him on on guard. Yeah. Because, you know, it's a sad thing when a cop has to be on guard within his own precinct. That's yeah, a sad that's state true. of affairs. Yeah. So while they're talking with him, Matt overhears some of said crooked cops that Fisk is looking for Hoffman. Right. And they obviously need to find him first.
1: Yeah, they do. And this time, Foggy actually knows that Matt is trying to overhear.
0: Yeah, and can I just say, the one cop that kind of is the face of the uh, corrupt cops in this episode, he is this, like, very stereotypical Super Mario Italian fat cop. (laughs) You know, they always shows always like to give people what they think New Yorkers are like, you know, just gotta.
1: I think it goes hand in hand. On one side, you expect a certain look for a certain type of character. And on the other hand, television shows and movies purposely cast those kind of people as a shorthand to tell you this is X type of character. And this is what you should expect.
0: Very good point. Now, we've said we've had some problems with this episode, but God damn, was it good to see Matt, Foggy and Karen all back at the office together.
1: Yeah, that was very good. It Uh, it felt like a weight was lifted.
0: Yes, it was cathartic. Yeah. And especially Karen. She's so happy. And I realized just how attached she got to them so quickly.
1: Yeah, because she doesn't have anyone else. She doesn't
0: have a life. Right, which leads me to ask the question again. Who the fuck is Karen Page?
1: We will get to know sometime in the future.
0: And that'll happen whenever we cover season two of Daredevil, which I have zero recollection of, though I know I saw. And (laughs) as to when we'll be covering that, people, we have absolutely no idea as we are slaves to Marvel's disney plus and theatrical release schedule right yes
1: but yeah she is very happy she's kind of like the kid who managed to get her parents back together after the divorce
0: (laughs) oh my god that's a that's an amazing analogy you're absolutely right
1: the way she's grinning it kind of felt like that like
0: yay we're back all together like a family which never happens we want to make that clear never happens yeah only in in movies yeah
1: and parent trapping <laughs> kind of, only in parent trap in the parent trap
0: correct and only if you i have can a make twin. movie references too congratulations on making a 20 year old movie reference with an actress who is no longer relevant <laughs> proud of you
1: don't rain on my parade okay <laughs>
0: fuck you I made a reference (laughs) we're gonna get an email from Lindsay Lohan thanking us for mentioning her name you know what
1: I'm fine with that
0: (laughs) (laughs) so our trio then gets a little help from Marcy
1: yeah can you sound more irritated and condescending
0: I'm not happy about it.
1: Why? You are holding a grudge as big as her boobs.
0: (laughs) Now, I got to give her credit. She's taking a huge risk here. She's risking not only her life, but her career. She could be disbarred for what she's doing.
1: Yeah. I think it should be the other way around.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: Because if you lose your life, a career has no meaning.
0: Oh, um, well, I mean, both. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're both they're both her life and, and yeah you know yeah but I'm also dying in this scene here at the office because Matt and Foggy are just lying endlessly to Karen.
1: Yeah, it's infuriating yet funny.
0: It oh god, it drives me nuts because as much as we talk about female empowerment on this show, it's like oh we don't want our secretary to worry her pretty little head.
1: Yeah, while well, she is actually the driving force in getting all this going. Yeah. Let's be honest. If it weren't for Karen, Matt wouldn't know the bigger picture. He'd still be beating up people on the
0: streets. You're absolutely right. She has a right to know.
1: Yeah. Karen was the one who found this property where, the, where he was being held.
0: Yeah. She does like all the legwork.
1: Yeah. All the discoveries have been coming from her. And the best part is she's not even being paid for this.
0: Right. It's not like they can even give her a bonus.
1: Yeah. What are they going to give her a bonus? A dollar?
0: Avocados. Lots <laughs> of
1: them. <laughs> yeah, that would work.
0: So unfortunately for Detective Hoffman, he has been discovered. Yes,
1: it was a bit of a race of who would get him first.
0: Yeah. So B- Fisk basically sends what I like to call a dirty cop kill squad to take this guy out. <laughs> yeah. And I thought this was a great scene here of. We don't see what's going on. All we see is this close up on Hoffman's face. He's just flinching and getting covered in blood. It was visceral.
1: Yeah, it was very well done. And each time uh, a gun would go off, he just flinched thinking this is it. This is it. Till he finally opens his eyes and sees all the cops are dead or at least unconscious. And Matt's the only one standing there.
0: Yeah. He got there in time and, oh, God, does he look good. (laughs) Matt gives Hoffman an ultimatum here. He's got two choices. Die a slow, painful death at my hands or go turn yourself into Brett Mahoney.
1: And he finally does the right thing and he goes to the cops and he turns himself in.
0: Yep. Covered in blood still.
1: Yeah, that's how freaked out he was.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that made quite the (laughs) statement at the precinct, didn't it?
1: true it surely would get anyone's attention
0: so as soon as he turns himself in he calls nelson and murdoch to come represent him as he makes his statement against fisk and they are now the ones working out his deal the guy playing hoffman i think did a great job here he's more tired than scared at this point
1: yeah i was thinking about that he seems so tired like he's done with all the lying and the the corruption and just keeping it all in. He's done.
0: Yeah. At first, it, I think it was kind of like a waterfall because at first he's afraid to even say Fisk's name. It was very reminiscent of Harry Potter.
1: Right. Yeah. And they've been very strictly told they can't take his name.
0: Right. But as soon as he does, it's like as soon as he says that name, it all just comes gushing out.
1: Yeah. That was like the breaking point. Yes. And then we get a nice montage of all the bad guys being arrested.
0: Oh, it's glorious. I love this scene. The music for this montage is so perfect.
1: Yeah, I liked it too.
0: I said earlier I had felt so bad for Ben's boss. That was in hindsight of watching the entire episode afterward because it's at this point where i'm like oh thank god it wasn't ellison who was working for fisk it was another woman in the newsroom and this is only going to make him feel worse
1: yeah and it's also key to the fact that till then nobody knew ben was working on this particular story if ben hadn't gone screaming behind the editor and talking about this whole plot that he has That lady was sitting there while the screaming match was going on. She wouldn't have known and she wouldn't have told Fisk.
0: This is true. Yep. So we see a number of Fisk's people being taken into custody, including the head of Landman and Zach. Marcy's watching her boss being arrested from her car.
1: Yeah. And she has this tentative smile.
0: In my defense, I have in my notes, good girl, Marcy, you have a soul again. (laughs) and then my favorite one is the senator being arrested i do love a good politician arrest and i can only hope we see something like this in real life soon for a certain senator whose name rhymes with bitch (laughs) and this is all happening on live tv so vanessa's watching every bit of this
1: and she's scared
0: Well, she should be.
1: Yeah, but this is something that I was wondering. Why wouldn't the FBI first go and arrest Fisk and then get the lackeys? If they're doing this on live TV and everyone already knows what's happening, they're giving Fisk a way out.
0: The ego of the FBI knows no bounds. This is exactly the kind of thing they would do for publicity do the perp walks on live TV and just figuring they're going to have Fisk's building surrounded. He's got no way out. Put it this way. This would have all been happening simultaneously. Yeah. So it's not like they're giving him a half an hour heads up. They would be converging on all of them simultaneously. Yeah. He's probably, he's probably just the most physically insulated. Hmm. So that's why it takes a little longer. And because Hmm. it's a TV show and we want to save the best for last. (laughs)
1: Yeah, can't deny that.
0: And now we get to the most non-romantic proposal in the history of proposals.
1: It may be non-romantic in the traditional sense, but it certainly had feeling and punch.
0: It did, but I'm also a little bit cynical about it. I know you're going to argue with me about this. Of course
1: you're going to be cynical about it.
0: Well, don't get me wrong. I do believe he loves her with all of his heart. All of the heart he allows himself to use. Yes, 100%. He cares about her more than anything in the world. But there's also a little bit of marry me, I love you. And because if we're married, you can't be compelled to testify against me in court.
1: But they aren't married. He just proposed.
0: Not yet. But at this point, we don't know when they're going to get married and trials take a long time. Yeah, true. I think
1: it's just a way of him telling her that I love you, this is serious, and I'm not going to give up no matter what happens.
0: Yes, that's true.
1: And there is nothing for her to testify about. She's not involved in any way. She knows nothing. She just knows vague, (sighs) vaguely stuff.
0: Oh, a good prosecutor could implicate her or use her as leverage against him. Which he does in a different way. So as all this is happening, as Fisk is being pulled from Vanessa, being taken out, Fisk is just drowning in humiliation as he's pulled out of here.
1: Yeah, he is. And it's very cathartic to see. Mm hmm.
0: But at the same time, I'm afraid for the cops because I'm like, um, you guys don't know what he's like when he gets embarrassed. <laughs>
1: I think they find out pretty soon.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I would rather see the Hulk angry than Fisk embarrassed. (laughs) I feel like even Hulk would be able to exercise a little more restraint. So while Fisk is being taken away, Matt, Foggy and Karen are having themselves a very premature celebration at the office. Yeah,
1: premature, but sorely needed at that point.
0: Yeah. It's all about the small wins. Yeah, but you know what, Matt? You should know better. You are a superhero. You should know it's never this easy. <laughs> and I think D'Onofrio does such a good job in this prison transport. He is just bad guy monologuing here, and it's great.
1: Yeah. And the story that he says is interesting. Uh huh. And it explains his thought process. Plus, it also tells us he's finally admitting who he really is.
0: Yes. It's like he has this moment of clarity. You can almost see the light bulb of it over his head. And he's like, oh, I'm a villain. Okay. Yeah. And he owns it. <laughs> he does. So much so that in my notes I have, good for him. <laughs> <laughs> it was like he had a breakthrough in his therapy.
1: Yeah. You'd save so much money if you managed to have breakthroughs in a prison transport. Right? No therapist needed.
0: Yeah. And this whole breakout scene is very Joker-esque.
1: Hmm. Yeah, true.
0: The truck flipping over, very reminiscent of The Dark Knight, but I love it nonetheless.
1: Yeah. And the way after he just owns the fact that he's the bad guy, he's just strutting about... It was so powerful the way he was just walking on that on that road. It's just fantastic.
0: Yeah. And I thought to myself at this point, of course he had a man in the transport. Silly Krista. Yeah, of course. This is a true this is a true supervillain now.
1: Yeah. And the bit where while he's talking, one of the guards says, you know, just shut up. And the guy who was actually paid by him tells him, let him talk. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So it's a little bit of a hint before the shit hits the fan.
0: Yeah, because you figure it's just a cop saying, oh, let him run his mouth, because if he runs his mouth and that's all more ammunition we have against him. Yeah. But that's a really good point. So, of course, this is happening on live TV, too. Matt <laughs> and Foggy and Karen are seeing all this shit. And. <laughs> oh, Foggy, sir, we need to have a talk. OK. He he changed his tune very quickly here because he looks at his buddy and says, go be a hero. Just don't get killed doing it.
1: Yeah. This is <sighs> his way of giving his blessing. Like, OK, I'm OK with this. I accept it. This is who you are.
0: Yeah, but it's the reason behind the blessing that we'll get to in a few minutes that I'm troubled by. OK. So before Matt can go take on Fisk, he finally uses his fucking head and first goes over to Melvin Potter to get his new suit. Yes. I have a confession to make. Go ahead. I don't like the red suit. Why? I don't like the daredevil suit. I don't like the mask. I think it's ugly. And I prefer the black ninja outfit because, hmm... I think it does a lot more for him than the suit. That's
1: That's why you don't like it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, not for any good reason. Mm, Okay. I I have no legitimate reason other than I don't think it does much for his ass. I think it does. I think it hides too much. Well, it does. Sure. Yeah, it hides. Why am I talking
1: to you about this? No. (laughs) I'm not discussing this. I'm not <laughs> falling to your level. No. Okay. I like the suit. And I have to say, Melvin has a better grasp on branding than Matt does.
0: I knew that was coming. It was inevitable.
1: Yeah. And you have to admit, the suit makes a statement.
0: Oh, it does. It's very well done.
1: Yeah, it is. It it protects him. Because if it were just that latex black stuff that he was wearing all this time in the final fight, he would have been mincemeat.
0: Absolutely. So Fisk gets transported in a furniture truck, of all things, and Matt has the location.
1: Yeah, because he can hear...
0: Stuff. Lots and lots of stuff.
1: I think the horns are antennas. Because how else? Like, how do you know across the city, like how could he just be standing on one rooftop and get it? But okay, it's Matt. He's the walking hospital, walk walking cell phone tower, <laughs> whatever.
0: Yeah, it's like, you He's know what, guys?
1: All in one.
0: It's episode thirteen. You've earned it. I'll go with it. <laughs> so Matt takes out the driver, flips this truck, all a dark night again. And uh, Fisk is knocked around a little bit. Yeah. For sure. And then, oh, snap, meet Daredevil. Well, hello there, sir.
1: (laughs) And he's a bit disoriented Mm -hmm. because he sees this guy in this brand spanking new red costume and he says, you.
0: Yep. So
1: what happened to all the black?
0: And when Fisk sees him, he just loses it he's almost pouting like a little kid here
1: yeah he's throwing a temper tantrum
0: he is because he wants what he wants and he wants it now this is like a dark jg wentworth commercial he wants what he wants and he wants it now but matt is much more prepared this time
1: yeah he is but he still gets pummeled quite a bit
0: well that's the thing fisk obviously isn't the trained fighter that matt is but he can still throw down. Yeah. He is literally twice the size of Matt.
1: Correct. Yeah. So what he lacks in training, he makes he makes up for in sheer brute strength.
0: Yes. This fight is epic. I, I found myself strong. wondering, I was like, did will really pick up Charlie Cox like that? Even if he didn't, I bet he could. That's how believable Fisk is in his rage and in this strength that I found myself really wondering. Like there's probably wire work, but still I think he would absolutely have the ability to bane style pick him up like that. That's a wrestling move.
1: Hmm. Yeah. And then he takes those metal poles, I suppose. I just beat him with it.
0: Yeah. Oh, that was rough. Even though I know the hero's gonna win this, I'm still like, God, get up, Matt. Come on. <laughs> And
1: the suit saved his life over there, otherwise he would have been done.
0: It certainly did. So finally, Matt is able to just knock fist the fuck out, subdue him. And that's when Brett shows up.
1: Yeah, just in time.
0: Now I gotta tell you, this is really where they're pushing me. Okay. Him and Brett go way back, right? Right. You're gonna tell me. He doesn't recognize Matt's voice. Come on, people. I can only take so much.
1: Doesn't that even apply to everyone else he's ever spoken to?
0: Even more so, but even more so with Brett. Because they go way back, because they've known each other for so long. Like, come on, my suspension bridge of disbelief is about to break.
1: I already gave the example with Henry Cavill. And they've already alluded to the fact that people will not assume a blind guy is a vigilante super. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Still, it's a tough one to swallow.
1: Yeah, and I don't think he could see him very clearly at this point.
0: The suit, this new suit definitely hides his face more. Yes, it does. I think that's also another reason I don't like it. <laughs> I know it I know it's necessary.
1: <laughs> Ignoring that. And I think he does modulate his voice a little bit
0: oh it sounds the same to me
1: just, just a tad
0: nah Christian Bale he is not and I'm glad no. because Christian <laughs> Christian Bale though he is my preferred Batman he does sound absolutely ridiculous in the Dolph movies
1: they all sound ridiculous
0: are you about to start a fight with me about the Joker
1: no I'm talking about the Batmans
0: oh okay I was oh god that was a bitty stroke alright <laughs> So Vanessa is left high and dry at the helicopter without Fisk.
1: Yeah, and they get the news that he was arrested and she leaves.
0: But that you're so excited, I'll let you say it.
1: (laughs) She puts the ring on.
0: Just in case anyone's wondering, that's what an eye roll sounds like.
1: Why the eye roll?
0: Because I hate you. (laughs) She puts the ring on. She's standing by him. But can we also agree that ring is ridiculous?
1: Like you'd put it on irrespective?
0: No, I mean, like, the size of that ring is insane. Like, I would have to take that off to write a letter. (laughs) I would have to take it off to brush my hair. It's a little ostentatious, is what I'm saying. Even more so, like, obviously, he's got money. He can afford a good ring, but Jesus
1: that's the point that it's a statement
0: so the next day matt and foggy and karen are outside the office looking at the paper
1: yeah and there's a nice helpful sketch of matt there with his new (laughs) costume yeah i do appreciate the effort in the branding brett did a good job giving the sketch artist a good uh, description
0: he did now here's where i have a problem with mr foggy because, see, I hear it. I'm glad you feel the same way. Because, my, how he's changed his tune. Yeah. He, um at some point in the last day or so, Foggy devolved into an eight-year-old boy who now thinks it's the coolest thing in the world that his best friend's a superhero. <laughs> Are you sure we're not watching Sh- Shazam at this point?
1: I was just thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Damn it, this could have been my second... Reference for this episode, and you took it away from me.
0: (laughs) Think faster on your feet, partner.
1: I'm showing you the finger.
0: Literally what I have in my notes here, men. (laughs) I just want to smack him in the face.
1: I think the appropriate appropriate term is boys. Because he's behaving like a boy.
0: Absolutely. It's like, oh, he's super proud now. It kind of reminded me actually a little bit of when Steve goes and rescues all the POWs in the first Captain America and comes back with Bucky and Bucky looks at him with that pride on his face. Only it's healthy in that movie. Not so much here. (laughs) But point is, it looks like these two are going to be okay.
1: Yeah. The season ends on a relatively positive note.
0: Yes. Because they are once again, Nelson and Murdoch, avocados at law.
1: Yeah, they finally get the sign up.
0: Yes. We also should mention here, though, just a little note. Yeah, they still don't know that Karen killed Wesley and is a murderer and is carrying that on her conscience.
1: Hence the relatively good note.
0: And then we see Fisk in his prison cell, in his prison garb, staring at the wall
1: yeah kind of like a full circle moment for him
0: a fate worse than death kind of thing at least for the moment yeah because we know now we haven't seen the last of wilson fisk
1: no we have not most certainly and i'm glad for it
0: absolutely and the last thing we see is matt watching over his city and hearing all kinds of stuff
1: I'm telling you, those horns are antennas.
0: (laughs) And that concludes our full commentary series on Daredevil Season 1. How do you feel after three months, partner?
1: Tired.
0: (laughs) It is exhausting. It's a very intense show.
1: It is. And we have had quite the rocky... Journey with this show, haven't we? You and yeah. I. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's been quite the mix of emotions going through it.
1: Yes. I think we have learned a lot about each other, including the fact that I need to stay away from you at any kind of Comic Con.
0: And I need to interview any prospective partners you ever have. They deserve to be warned. Interview
1: may not be the right term.
0: so before we sign off today everybody we do want to give you some important updates for the show as of January 15th when WandaVision premieres we will officially be slaves to the Disney Plus release schedule
1: that said, since the Marvel shows will be dropping on Fridays we are permanently moving our episode releases to Wednesdays so if you don't see us on Mondays don't worry, we haven't murdered each other we're just going to see you on Wednesday
0: yet (laughs) so our first episode discussing WandaVision will not be out next Monday but next Wednesday January 20th so that's going to be a great day all around
1: in the meantime if you miss us you can always reach us on Twitter or Instagram at MarvelMadams
0: thanks to all you madams for joining us today I'm Madam Chris
1: and I'm Madam Amy
0: and if you want an exclusive bonus episode about how we met and started the podcast join our email list
1: Sign up on our website, themarvelousmadams.com, where infinity stands are a girl's best friend. Yeah, true. But like, what am I going to do? Normally I do something, you know, stuff like something or the other is happening, but I'm not doing anything. I can't drink today. And it'll be even more depressing if I'm drinking alone and I'm <laughs> like, happy new year. <laughs> 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 that'll be like (laughs) kill me now yeah